Hello, everybody. This is Kyle and Carlos Plummer uh, coming to you with a new online series uh, talking about filmmaking from our perspective. Uh, this will be our first episode uh, featuring an interview with Carlos and I. Uh, we will be interviewed by a close friend of ours, uh, Colby, uh, and I'll let him introduce himself. So take it away. Hey, everybody. So my name is Colby. Uh, first off, thanks to Kyle and Carlos for involving me with this. I'm super excited about this today. Um, so I'm a film student at uh, DSU, uh, the same film school that Kyle went to and Carlos is currently going to as well. Uh, I'm a junior there and I'm loving it. You know, it's film is my passion and I'm I'm just excited to be a part of it and excited to know Carlos and, and Kyle. You know, they, they've got a lot of exciting things that going on that we'll talk about today so just great stuff so are you guys just ready to just dive right in yeah go for it all right that's the best questions <laughs> perfect perfect pressure's on here we go so uh the first question i was going to ask you guys is really generalized uh as for both of you which is what brought you guys to want to pursue film well, when we were both really young, so our family is a big movie family, like movie watching family. Um, our dad, Jeff, he used to work in Hollywood in the 80s and uh, early 90s. Worked a variety of jobs from working at a cable company to working on, you know, independent productions to commercial work and kind of pursuing all that kind of stuff uh, all throughout that time. Uh, but he gave that up to come and raise Carlos and I when they just, my parents, our parents decided to move here to Cambria. And when I was really young, like about three years old, you know, like a lot of people say they saw Star Wars, you know, but I had the, uh, the old school VHS original trilogy. Uh, and on those cassettes at the beginning was an interview with George Lucas, uh, like an exclusive interview, but it was like my mom would always put it on and try to skip it because she was like, oh, this is really dry. This is really boring. You don't want to watch this. And I'd be like, no, no, stop. I want to watch it. I want to watch it. And I would watch him talk about making Star Wars before watching Star Wars. So even at a young age, I knew like somebody made this, somebody did this. And I was like maybe like four years old and I knew like I want to do that. I want to make something you know, like that. And Carlos was very young at that time when I first started pursuing it, like a, like a baby. So pr pretty much the entire time Carlos has been alive, I've been wanting to be pursuing film. So it kind of just followed that Carlos then uh, caught the bug from a very young age too. And um, I remember we used to play with our, whenever our family would get a new family camera, well, we would inherit the old hand-me-down camcorder and we'd get to play with it and do sort of fun little short films with it. Uh, Carlos, you can talk a bit about uh, our first short film. Oh yeah, so you mean our very, very first? Yeah. Okay, so our very, very first short film that I think we can remember Wait, is... which one was it though? Was it Bionicle or the Star Wars? Oh, it's gotta be Bionicle. I think it was Bionicle, it yeah. It was Bionicle, was the first one. So. <laughs> I forget what it, even it was called, but I remember it was our Bionicle movie. We took like our Bionicle figures and we made just a little short film with it, with a little camera. And my fondest memory about that, because I was really little, was that we used the Gladiator music during it to, to score that movie. Yeah. But then we did our very own Star Wars three and a half. <laughs> what happened in between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. And it was, it was really, just the plot of a new hope. <laughs> yeah, it, was just, it was just a new hope redone, but it was our way of basically getting ours our, our, out there to want to tell a story. But I remember, I, I think for as long as I could remember, Kyle was fascinated with behind the camera and telling the story. And I always wanted to make things happen in the sense that when we made our first like official short film the indiana jones one um i was the one who was wanting to get like the costume designer or get like oh let's get the location set or let's you know decorate the sets stuff like that and that's kind of when i fell into the the producer role and i remember just growing up and wanting to be our producer even to the point where at the very first film festival we were at 
in St. Louis when we submitted our film, The Magic Hat, um, it was technically submitted under Kyle's name. So they announced that he had won the best local film and he runs up there and he's all excited. Right as they're about to give him the, the little prize money, I bolt down there and I snatch the money from the woman's hand. She's like, who are you? And I say, I'm the producer. <laughs> I just run away. <laughs> so like, even little things, I just remember like really liking learning how to make things happen while Kyle really liked how to tell the story. And I think that's when we first learned that like we really work well together. Perfect. So you guys were just the perfect team from the get-go. Yeah, we, we, we pretty much did everything together. You know, still kind of do as much as we can. Um, yeah. But uh, figured, you know, it's better to have the, the extra manpower to help you work than work yeah. doing it all by yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it sounds like you guys covered a whole bunch there from the Bionicle film all the way to even film festivals. So where would you guys say was kind of that line where you started taking this like seriously as like, okay, this is fun, but now we really want to do this. Like what, what would you say was, was the point for that? Well, summer of 2008, um, I did a workshop camp for like middle schoolers uh, through the San Luis Obispo International Film Festival. They put on this workshop camp and I went and for two weeks, I think two weeks, they ran it where the first week they ran the kids through like the basics of, you know, this is how you write a script. This is a camera, you know, like real basic stuff. Um, and then week two was make the short film. So we had to write two short films and we split the group up into one half wrote, won't run, one half wrote one, the other half wrote the other short film. And then each group had to act in the other's short. And so it was a great experience. And we made these two little short films. And um, that time they were, the San Luis Obispo International Film Festival was rolling out what they call the Filmmakers of Tomorrow Showcase, which is a showcase of, of films that they allow kids under the age of 18 to submit to the Slow Film Fest. And so as a kid, you get to be part of the film festival. And it was really cool to be there at the beginning of when that was kind of being put out. And um, I remember that workshop inspired me to say, hey, let's do something and let's submit it to the film festival. It was our first like official thing. And that summer we had watched uh, the Indiana Jones movies for the first time. Uh, okay. We hadn't seen them before then. So that summer we watched them all and we were like so into it and we were like obsessed with them and we watched Raiders, I don't know how many times. Um, and so it was just kind of in my head and I'm like, well, let's, I want to write an Indiana Jones movie. So we did, we, we did that. And the first draft was like 10 pages. And then I kept, Carlos and I kept like expanding it, expanding it. It turned into like a 22 page short film script. And at that time that felt like, you know, huge, like massive. And so it, but it was, it like the short film in final running time is like 18 minutes or maybe 20 minutes. Um, but it was the first time we sat down, we wrote a script and then we sat down with our parents at the ta kitchen table and we were doing actual like pre-production storyboards, locations, and the boy who played Indiana Jones, he was our friend. His name is Daniel. Uh, his dad is a professional photographer, like still photographer. And uh, he does, did some video on the side and he volunteered to be our, our cinematographer and, let, and, you know, let us use, let him use for our film his, his camera equipment. And that was, that was the best, like, launching learning experience like we could have even asked for because he carried that aspect of it and allowed us to really focus on making you know the movie happen and we just cast our friends at the time people from cub scouts yeah. and uh people we knew from school and stuff and well, it I was just a good first, time the first draft of the script well not even the first draft like even towards the end like it was crazy like some of the we had like, to tone it down. <laughs> yeah, we had to tone it down to make it like actually reasonable. Like there was originally like the the heavies, the heavy characters, they were gonna be um adults. Oh yeah, and, that's right. And we we're gonna have the scene be because Indiana Jones and Marion were gonna be kids. So we we're gonna have them chase them through like a park. 
because I think like this whole thing was like about like Indiana Jones, but we were playing on the fact that he was like a kid. <laughs> and so they rode bikes and, and everything. But the funniest thing was that there was a truck chase. And that was the one thing that we kept in the movie because there was a huge bike chase. I remember originally, yeah. but we ended up doing a truck chase, but we had to, the kids couldn't drive, obviously. <laughs> so we would play around with the shots where our dad would be driving and Indiana Jones would be riding on his bike. And there was like a big stunt we had to do where he had to jump off the bike and onto the truck. And it was just a lot of fun learning how to make things happen without, you know, without money, without, you know. And safely. <laughs> and safely. And, our, you know, obviously the only person that got injured on that entire shoot was Kyle when he got <laughs> I got injured twice, technically. But yeah, you got poisoned. Why? I got two injuries. I was, I was riding the, the stunt bike in between takes just for fun down this road really fast. And then I pulled the wrong brake, pulled the front brake, and I flipped forward. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, no. And then at another point, we were filming in the forest, and we did this, like, circle shot where we all – so we all had to hide because the camera was going around in a circle. And I got poison ivy somehow on my face from that. And it was bad. It was really bad. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. So that so was the first official, like, we took it seriously. So this sounds like it was a big production even for that time then. It, it was. In fact, for for our early stuff, it was one of the bigger ones we did. Okay. That sounds yeah. familiar, you know. Um, definitely, I remember my first production. At, this is just a side note, but I remember. Yeah, yeah, go for it. At Dixie was kind of a similar situation. I, was, I had the fortune of working with Carlos and... It was an idea where we were like, yeah, we can do this. And then we we start doing pre-production and we were like, well, this is bigger than we thought. Yeah, yeah. No, and, and that's the hazed fire, right? Yeah, yeah. That yeah. Was hazed fire. And that turned out really cool. I, I mean, considering, oh, you know, how limited you guys were on resources and time and everything. I mean, that's that's what I love about, you know, those student short projects is you really do have to think outside the box, you know. And you guys had like squibs going off and everything. And that was yeah. That was cool. <laughs> well, I'm, see, hearing your story and 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 knowing my story as well, it's it's fun getting big experiences like that. I think as like your earlier experiences because you really kind of get like it's like a trial by fire. You kind of just get thrown in and you're like, okay, this is all the stuff you got to figure it out and you got to you got to do it quick. But but it's I feel like it almost prepares you more for what's going to come as you enter the yeah. industry. You it's know, the best way to learn, absolutely. Well, and that and that segue is kind of into the the next film we made, the Magic Hat, which what's took uh, Indiana Jones in, in retrospect was a lot bigger and the magic hat. The next one was so much smaller in the sense that the story was smaller. The camera we were using was smaller. It was, it was the first thing that we did entirely on our own. 100%. We shot it ourselves with our own camcorder. And yeah. And I remember kind of same, same cast, Daniel, the Katie Blaine Indiana Jones was in it but we had met a girl through that film camp that he was in named Livy and she was really into filmmaking as well. And she wanted to act a little bit. So we got her in that, but it was a film about this hat that this boy named Robert comes across that can grant him any wish that he wants. Okay. And that's basically the premise of the movie. It follows, you know, a hero's journey of how he, learns that the hat is turning him into maybe a person that he doesn't want to be and he has to learn to choose whether he wants to have his friends or his hat and so it was really just a small premise simple story small cast but i remember we we went through quite a few drafts i mean like because i wrote the first draft but i mean we really put a lot of thought and time into like talking about like character and development yeah. and, and again that was another one the script was like 15 18 pages and the first cut of the film was about 20 minutes and a lesson a valuable lesson we had learned from the year before is that our 20 minute indiana jones film did not really work well in film festival programming because they were going after more like 10 minute and under short films uh it's kind of an unspoken thing that like when you're in a short film category especially when you're in the youth uh, area of film festivals they generally prefer shorter programming because they can fit more in. And so we went through a really, it was the first time that we dealt with like having to recut. Our first cut was 20 minutes. We had to cut it down and we cut it down to nine minutes. Oh, wow. um, 
And it wasn't so much cutting out as it was really trimming the fat. And I, I preferred some aspects of the longer cut, Same. which it, I, I don't know where it is anymore. <laughs> oh, no. we, have, we have it on a disc somewhere. So like we have a copy of it, but I can't like get it online somewhere to show. So we, all we have online is the nine minute version, but technically the nine minute version is the one that went to film festivals which then segues into Carlos and you can talk about the festival experience because this was our first time actually getting into festivals. Yeah. So festivals, I remember film festivals came about because of our, our dad was, or mom and dad were basically telling us and our dad, especially because of his experience kind of in the industry, knowing how festivals work and our mom's experience kind of in the legal side and the, and the more paper, the paperwork heavy side and that like, if you want to get your film out there, if you want people to watch them, Film festivals is one of the best ways to do it. So you could put your films online and people will watch them. But if you want to have like some respect to them, then obviously like a film festival. And so this was around the time when film festivals were changing because they were starting to add more and more student and youth categories. So this was perfect. Yeah. Because, you know, we weren't about to submit our movies into festivals with, you know, big budget adult made movies. I mean, that, that would just be unfair. And so we started small. We started locally with the San Luis Obispo International Film Festival. And they had a youth uh, the filmmakers tomorrow. tomorrow showcase. And it was a youth filmmaker showcase, but it was international. So they had films from like Australia and New Zealand. Really, really cool uh, showcase. And this was the first time we had gotten into a festival. And it was a big deal for us. We went, we brought all our friends, brought the whole cast and stuff like that and we, we made a big big day out of it and i remember we won the best best local film so they would do they would screen all the films and then do the awards right after so we won best local film stole the money and then um <laughs> it was just it was just a great experience and it was one of those things that was like super fulfilling and was that the day we watched avatar too yeah it is yeah i remember we watched avatar in the theater that day so it was just it was just a really good time, but I remember the main takeaway from that was that we really we wanted more of that. We wanted more of those kind of fulfilling experiences and to get out there more. So there was this site called Without a Box, and it doesn't really exist anymore. But it, it was, was the precursor to uh, Film, Film Freeway. Freeway, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was it was the old Film Freeway. And I remember you would just set up your film and you could digitally submit to film festivals via catalog. And we submitted to a bunch. I remember we submitted to like the Santa Cruz Film Festival, um, Chicago International Children's. And they were festivals with like very low submission fees and for youth oriented at, excuse me. And we made it into Chicago. And Chicago, like, oh, International, Chicago International Children's Film Festival, as a side note, they're a really cool film festival. And especially at the time they were on uh, their like 25th year or something like that they were a festival specifically for not only child produced films, but films made for a younger audience. They were the film festival that would almost guarantee if you were an adult filmmaker and you had like an animated short film, they were the festival that would get you Academy Award qualification for animated shorts. We met two filmmakers who had animated short films there who they went on to become Academy Award nominated animated short films. And and one of them won. I think it was in 2000, the 2012 for the 2011 Oscars. It was a short film called The Lost Thing. And, and, then, the, and then there was uh, Jacob Shue as well. Yeah, for The Gruffalo. For The Gruffalo. It was a, a short that they turned into a feature. Um, the short had Robbie Coltrane in it. And that okay. one, that was a Academy Award nominated short. And then the feature had, um, was it John Goodman? I think so. And so... Yeah, it I was mean, really I was cool. 12, Carlos was eight, and we were there partying with these guys who would go on to become Academy Award nominees and one was a winner. Like, that it, was so cool. It was amazing to be one of our first festival experiences because we didn't even expect to go to that festival. It was in Chicago. We're, we're, not, we're not about to fly to Chicago. They invited us. They invited us and they flew us out and, and we were like, we got to jump on this opportunity. This is crazy. So we went and it was just such an amazing experience because... Like they had a shuttle and they would drive all the filmmakers around to the different like, you know, key points. And then we had time to go explore Chicago on our own. And it was, Which was great. so but, cool. Um, 
the way the films were screened, it was kind of different. They had like highlight screenings, but then they had like a library that people could go to like on a computer, pick out what they wanted to watch and watch it at that specific time. And then they would have specific screenings, of course. So then it came to awards night. It was on Halloween. And Kyle and I dressed up as the Blues Brothers in Chicago. <laughs> and it was it was so much fun. So this is also like the plot of a movie. Right. Also- <laughs> yeah. And I'll just then, say uh, this this festival experience, we've never had anything close to it since. And we yeah. were at just at the beginning. I mean, it was only our first real original short film. Since then, we've never had an experience like this. It really was magical. Like so, the wildly unrealistic expectations were being set really, really, really early. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but then no, we, it was a great time. We won first place best child produced film there for yeah. Magic Hat, picked and by then, a children's jury, like a, a jury yeah. of of children uh, viewers. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was the best experience we've had, and. Honestly, it kind of, it may have set unrealistic expectations, but for me, it honestly made it like, this is what we could, like, this is like a peak, you know, for what we can do. Let's keep doing this. Yeah. You know, let's keep making movies. So that was kind of like that spark that was like, this is where it can take us. Right. Let's do this. Absolutely. Perfect. Well, segueing off of that, I've, I've, I'm aware that you guys have been in several film festivals all all over, you know, Chicago, you guys were at Doc Utah. And I guess that kind of segues into school. It sounds like you guys came from a really film centered based community out in San Luis Obispo, you know, you, your family, all these people were super supportive and the film festival out there. So what was it that brought you guys to want to come to DSU to pursue film school? Well, um, to kind of highlight one thing you said there, yeah, the Slow Film Festival, uh, San Luis Obispo Film Festival here, that whole community has been real supportive to us. And we've been doing their um, videos for, we, we go to the festival every year and film the entire week. We've been doing that for like five or six years, but having that community supporting us here has been really instrumental. But then we, am I, when I was like 16, 17, we started doing, you know, experimenting with documentaries. Uh, there were a lot of, uh, we, we knew a lot of like Korean War, World War II, Vietnam veterans that lived here in Cambria and through a variety of different projects and experiences, we made a whole series of documentaries on, on their stories, uh, culminating in, in the feature doc we did called Tour of Honor, where I went on a honor flight, which is where they take the veterans, they get them on a flight and they fly into DC and they do a whole trip basically honoring them. And it was very cool. We did a, we did a documentary on that, that those documentaries led us to, excuse me, find DocuTalk because we were looking for, you know, documentary specific festivals. And the first year we got into DocuTalk, we had our Korean war short film, and we didn't go. They they did let us know, hey, you're in Dakuta, but we were like, eh, we don't need to go. That's that's it's fine because <laughs> we didn't go to all the festivals that we got into. Um, we only went if they made a specific point to say, hey, we really want to invite you. Well, the second year we got into Dakuta, which was my junior year of high school, um, we had two short films in Dakuta. Uh, and the reason being, I think we submitted one under Carlos's name and one under my name, uh, because we had done like three that year. So we said, well, we'll pick two of them and we'll submit them. And they, two of them got in and they were like, Hey, we really want to invite you guys out to Utah. And we're like, well, we've never been to Utah. Why not give it a shot? We did. We made the trip out. We did the film festival and Phil Tuckett, (laughs) who was running it. He comes up to us and he goes, oh, you guys are the ones who did those short films? I thought you'd be older. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't realize that I was still in high school and Carlos was you know, still in middle school. So he was really impressed. And he took the opportunity to basically invite me to come to school there. And through that, that whole trip, we were there. He took us on a tour of the film department and I met Ben Brayton and... Um, I kind of just fell in love with the idea that Phil was like, you know, within your first semester, you'll be holding a camera kind of a a deal. 
And I was like, mm, that does sound nice. It does sound cool. And I thought about it a lot and I had other plans at the time, but I made the decision. No, I think this is what I want to do. And I'm really glad I did because <laughs> he wasn't lying. My first semester I was, you know, in Phil's class, the same class you guys did Hayes Fire in. Um, I was in that class and I did a short film and it was like immediately right away working on stuff. And that was such a great experience. And I think Carlos just ended up following because of the experience I had and he saw that I really liked it. So, yeah. uh, through happenstance that we just happened to go to this film festival, um, yeah, we discovered the school and now we're, now I'm an alum. <laughs> I think. Uh, yeah, I think my decision, well, I think the original plan was to do like two years of community college at Allen Hancock in California, which has a film program. So you get an associates in film film, and then you would go for another two years at Cal Poly, uh, Cal Poly and get a, a bachelor's in business, mm -hmm. which to be honest, isn't the worst kind of combination because it kind of fits what we wanted to do. But so that's what you both were thinking of doing was that honestly happened. yeah because you can get the community college covered with you know living where we are in the central coast they, they offer grants and scholarships and then we could work those two years to work to live uh, go to school at cal poly we, we wouldn't even have to live on campus because we're we live basically right there so that was our original plan but this was just so enticing not only because of you know me seeing what kyle was doing but also because of the price point, <laughs> because compared to a lot of other film schools, it's it's very, very affordable. And the scholarship opportunities were, were crazy. So to me, you know, it came down to busting my ass in high school to try and get, you know, best GPA, best ACT score. I think I took the ACT like nine times to get the right score to get the scholarship. And this, you know, it was very important to me to go here and just you know seeing kyle's posts on facebook kyle had opportunities going to san francisco and i know it wasn't directly through the school but you went to new york with this banning scholarship foundation and then you went to la with with phil and some of the kids and then park city to film a documentary i was like he's getting a lot of experience at, that you could put on your reel and you know that you can tell people about and i'm like i want that that, that, that's what I want. And sure enough, within the first year, you know, I'm going to Memphis with the documentary crew as for a class. And so I'm like, well, what are the opportunities outside of class? So it was just way too enticing to me to give up. Okay, perfect. So two questions that I kind of want to like, I guess one more, more is more, one is more like a remark. So I guess I'll start with that and then go back, kind of backtrack towards the question. The remark was kind of, seeing hearing all these stories that you guys sharing about you know kyle's experiences that you were seeing at dsu that was honestly like something i didn't even know about until i was at dsu for a while like i moved down here to st george um my wife and i we moved here in 2016 and i didn't know what i wanted to be at the time and so i was kind of just you know switching majors taking classes i didn't even know there was a film program there so kyle's over here doing all these crazy experiences at dsu and i had no idea what was going on and I remember I finally found out about the film program. I talked to my wife and got into it. And meeting Kyle in that first class with Tisa, I never oh, yeah. known that that was going on. It wasn't until the end of that class when Tisa started sharing stuff with me when I was like, hey, I want to get more involved, where I kind of opened my eyes and I was like, wow, there, there's all this stuff going on. And it's really kind of crazy what, you know, the amount of opportunities that are still available at that university in the film program. You know, it's, it's insane. Yeah. But, um, I guess my next question was going to be more aimed towards Carlos because we, we kind of heard Kyle's journey to DSU. Yeah. And I know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like becoming rich was also maybe part of that, if I if I assume correctly, because you did that in high school as well, right, Carlos? Yeah. Okay, and that yeah. was DocuTaw as well. It was. So so DocuTaw really kind of was our journey into, into DSU. And one of the things that I remember was not only Kyle getting recruited by the legendary Phil Tuckett, but um, <laughs> um, basically seeing other student films there. And there weren't many high school student films or quite a few college student films like College Thesis or even just college produced stuff. But basically being at, there's some being at a festival as a filmmaker. 
it's a sense of excitement that you have where you're like, you're desperate to want to talk to people and say, oh, go see my movie. Or, oh, yeah, I have a film here. It's lots of things like, oh, yeah, I'm a filmmaker. Yeah, look at my badge. I'm a filmmaker. And it's more like, I'm a filmmaker. I have a movie here. I want you guys to see it. And so one of the things that I got excited about was making something that will be worthy of being at this festival. And so I made the first documentary I made on my own. So Kyle went to school in 15 and we had, we were still promoting our two documentaries that we had made before through the veteran organization. I met a, I'm just going to call him. I don't even know how to describe him, but he was a tell a story. Yeah. He, he was a veteran and his name is Harold Bauer. To me, he's like a legend. He's like an icon because Harold Bauer is a German American. He was born in Germany and flew for the Luftwaffe in World War II. And after crash landing on American soil, became an American citizen and then ended up flying for the US Navy in the Korean War. And so the documentary, I, I felt like this story is too good not to tell. And he also lived, worked in um, United Press International and he worked kind of in the film industry and like licensing and such. And, and wasn't he was, a consultant on the Top Gun or something? He was, yeah. He was a consultant for Top Gun for a little bit. And he just had a really wild life. So I, I named the documentary The Nine Lives of Harold Bauer. And I figured it, it, it was a, a really, but this was the first time I had done something on my own without Kyle's help. I had Kyle's help in the post-production side and also asking questions like with lighting and stuff. But I really built it up from the ground up with, with my own hands and my own my own head. And it was a really simple documentary. It was just pretty much just interviews and, and pictures and music. And it just became this really interesting story. It was a 17 minute documentary. And I remember it was a real challenge in editing because he he had like he was German, so his accent was thick, and so he would um and ah a lot. So I cut together his words so tight that it was like razor thin cuts. And I remember I was there like all night after school, just editing this thing. And this was in 2016. So it was, it was a, it was a weird year for my whole family. My mom was away from home at that time and Kyle was away from home at school. So I was sending cuts via Vimeo, you know, saying, Oh, do you want to watch this and give your notes? And I remember my mom would give notes like at three in the morning and then I'd come and cut it all together the next, next day. So it turned out to be this really nice documentary telling a story. And it went to the San Luis Obispo International Film Festival. And then it also went to DocuTalk. And at both festivals, it got such good reception that I was like, wow, I can do stuff on my own. Like Harold like, showed up at both too. Harold, Harold came to both. Harold ended up coming to DocuTalk. And it was just a great experience for everyone and I remember he met Phil and Phil was like oh my god you're you're Harold Bauer oh my god he was freaking out <laughs> he was like he was like this Starstruck. he was really excited because it was so rare that one of the subjects of the documentaries came to want to be there for their movie so after that I decided like I can do stuff on my own but it didn't take me it took me about another couple of years to develop another one which was becoming rich I remember it was 2017 that I reached out to him and I said, um, I really want to do a documentary on you. Um, I had met him a few years earlier at a magic show and he gave me his card and I was like, this guy seems really cool, but I didn't know what the story would be. So I met him one day, we talked and then I did the first interview and it turned out that he had a really, really interesting life story, you know, really a bit of a roller coaster. And um, I was like, this is going to be great. So I did follow-up interviews, interviewed some of his colleagues, interviewed his wife. And so that all came together to be, to be Becoming Rich, which um, was the first time I worked with a composer. And that's how I met Brooke Monroe. And it was also the first time that I didn't necessarily edit the whole thing. Because when it came down to editing, it was around April, May of 2018, which also happened to be the end of my junior year when I had probably the most schoolwork I've ever had in my life so far <laughs> coming up and all these tests and ACT work and trying to basically get to Dixie. 
And um, Kyle really took over and he really he put that one together. And he was playing with effects with images that, you know, we had never done before, like pulling images out of their background. And I it was painstaking from, work. I came home from my semester and I came home on like May 6th or something like that. And the deadline to submit to Dokita was May 18th. Wow. <laughs> and the documentary was... Yeah, the documentary was barely cut because, like Carlos said, he was slammed with a whole ton of other stuff. And he had done, you know, all the legwork on getting the interviews done and shot and everything, and that's a lot of work. So there, the editing had barely been done. And I'm like, oh, my God, I got to go through all this before May 18th. So, I mean, it was like a week and a half of me in the edit room not wake up in the morning till I go to bed at night, like nonstop. And it's like 25 minutes uh, yeah. runtime now. And I mean, we're both damn proud of that edit on that doc because it took, took a lot. And yeah, the, the after effects work was, was very heavy yeah. on that one. We, we experimented a lot with titles, with uh, the photo animation thing, which I've had people come up to me afterwards asking, Hey, how do you do that? You know, I'm like, well, I'm not going to tell you like that. I remember even, even Tisa yeah, asking for your help on something. T I did. I did some of that work for Tisa for, um, for her doc she's working on i did some of the photos and uh yeah so, some after effects work because it 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 was one of those things i had been playing with it just on my own and then carlos said hey here's this documentary and i'm like cool i can use this now and every time we show that film everybody goes oh hey i really love the effect on the pictures yeah. and every time i'm like yes <laughs> and i think something like that to me was something that really elevated it to the next level of looking more professional and Becoming Rich was something that I was really experimenting with, trying, actually trying to make it look good on camera, you know, because I've never been the best at, you know, knowing the camera. And I figured, you know what, I'm going to do it this time. And I was playing around with a slider and... Yeah, Carlos uh, shot that all by himself. Yeah, this was, it was completely shot by me. And... No, they're like baptism by fire. Things yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Basically. I remember and, he used to text me going, hey, what are the settings? And I'm like, well, here are the basic settings, but you got to figure out what looks good. And he's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was just a really fun experience. But that that one, I think, took took off like kind of the farthest in the sense of reception because Rich had such a big impact in San Luis Obispo. So when we screened it at the San Luis Film Festival, it made it into Central Coast Filmmakers Showcase, but they wanted to make a special event out of it because Rich has such a big following. And they ended up screening it at the Fremont Theater, which is the big Art Deco theater in San Luis, really historic theater. And they screened it there in conjunction with another local film. And it was amazing, like seeing it not only on the, the biggest screen in San Luis, but also with that kind of crowd and seeing how people were reacting to it the movie. It was huge. Like, I mean, like the theater was packed. Like it no was No pun intended. It was magical. Uh, like it was it, it was it was a magical experience and honestly something we'll never forget and he was doing magic at the after party you know walking around doing tricks and it was just so cool to see that you know that product was being appreciated and working with brooke the composer was also really rewarding because not only is that a connection we have now but it was one of the first like big things he had done that he had a lot of fun with and he keeps talking about it like He's like, oh, I listened, even when we talked to him um, the other day, he said that, like, he listened to it before, a few months ago, and he's like, man, I had a lot of fun doing that, because he's able to play with a lot of things that usually you wouldn't think about for a documentary. Which so, you, can listen, you can listen to the score for Becoming yeah. Rich on Spotify. It's, it's on, on the whole thing's on Spotify, Spotify right now. Yeah. Perfect. So it was just a really, really awesome experience, and you know, we're just trying to get it out there now, you know, get, get more people to see it and and try and tell Rich's story. Because I think it's a really important story for people to, to learn about overcoming adversity in someone's life. So that's awesome. That That's definitely one of the ones that I want to see, you know, get, seeing all the stuff you guys have worked on. That's one that I really want to get around to because I've heard so much about it. And that was probably, you know, hearing all of this makes me even more excited. So. <laughs> But so I guess moving on, I was going to kind of segue into what you guys did at DSU, but I guess since we're talking about Brooke, we'll, we'll kind of like dive into that. So how did that relationship kind of get started and how has that kind of continued? Cause I know he's worked with you guys on other stuff as well. Yes. 
So something that not a lot of people know, because I don't do it too much anymore, is I play the violin. And I play the violin in the um, San Luis Obispo Youth Symphony. I played at the, I played in the DSU Concert Orchestra for two years. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, my first two years at school there. And that was a lot of fun. Um, but in my junior year, I, I stopped because I put more focus towards the film uh, side of why I was there. And um, through a friend of mine who he knew that I played the violin, a mutual friend I we have with Brooke said, hey, you play the violin, right? I'm like, yeah. Well, my composer friend is doing this thing and he might want a violinist to like play. So he organized a meeting and this was before, this was while I was still in high school. And I met Brooke back then and the project never, never actually went through. I never actually played for him, but we stayed in touch. And um, I, we kept saying, oh, hey, we'll work on something someday together. And he's like, yeah, that'd be great. Cause he was trying to build up like a, like a reel, like of stuff that he could showcase. Well, becoming rich was like the perfect opportunity to say, hey, let's actually work on something together instead of just always saying, oh, yeah, we should do it one day. And we got together and he did it. And it was such a cool creative experience for us with him because we had to put him through, I mean, a gamut of different styles. Like the, the score for becoming rich is not one, limited to one style. There's like electronic, there's like rock, there's like um you know more orchestral like there's everything it kind of encompasses the whole the whole spectrum and that experience just solidified that hey we really like working together and he then when i did sarah um he was all in on that and that was another experience that it just like really put him pushed him to you know his creative limits because it was unlike anything he had done before and i think that's kind of what we are you know looking for with everything we do is like we don't want to do the same thing again and again we want the next one to be okay what can we do to expand ourselves and um working with brooke that way it, it allows us all to be in that mindset that's awesome perfect all right, well, kind of moving towards those bigger projects, one last question I wanted to ask before we dive into the big one is, what are some of the things that both of you, both Carlos and Kyle, you have done at DSU and the film program? Like, what are some of your favorite accomplishments that you've done? I'll let Carlos go first. Um, <clears throat> so I think some of the, I mean, obviously I'm just, I'm baby right now. So I'm, I'm, still, I'm still getting there. But some of the big, the best things I think that have happened are like in my freshman year, so much happened. And that, that to me was mind boggling with the football documentary. You know, I could even go to Colorado twice to, to film that and film basically all the games here and just kind of really play around with the, all the different types of equipment, even to working on, I think, three, no, two capstones. I've worked on two capstones, uh, Lane Palmer's Stickity Tuity okay. as I was a sound engineer and then Mateo's uh, capstone, which isn't quite finished, but I was the AD on that. So just working on different sets, being able to do that Gentry music video, there's all the different opportunities coming up. Those are really big experiences. I think some of the highlights though, were obviously like our film, The Haze Fire, to me, that was just, awesome being able to come together as a big crew and make something like that happen and not only make make a product that we we're all happy with but make a good team and have as much fun as we did in the process like that was so much fun you know yeah, just thinking back well. on it this last semester like oh man last year we were working on haze fire and all those editing days and and then the, the Memphis trip, the, the Into the Fire documentary, which I'm not sure the status of it right now, but all I know is that that trip that we went on was absolutely incredible. And it's something that like I would do again in a heartbeat if something like that comes up. Because being able to travel cross country with a crew and tell a story that, when, where's the story here? But there's just so much that we got and you know being the sound guy was just really stressful and really cool being on beale street running around with a boom pole and a mixer bag just you know bumping into people and asking people to speak into the mic but it was just it was just a lot of fun and honestly like i would love to go back to memphis sometime but 
yeah, those two experiences to me were big highlights and I'm just looking forward to whatever, whatever else comes up, including um, Gizmo, which looks really promising. And I uh, just so stoked about that. I think awesome. one of my favorite uh, like accomplishments uh, is, is uh, it's something that kind of just happened. I didn't like set a goal for this, but it kind of just happened was that I have one short film from or one yeah no one short film from every single year i went to school there and uh i'm, I'm proud of them to varying degrees be, mainly because you see i see my growth through them uh and two of them i'm, I'm extremely proud of are the there she was and nikki those two um i've taken around to some festivals they they didn't like go far or anything but i'm proud of them i i, I feel really happy with how they turned out and having that experience of just constantly being able to work and create that was huge for me uh, and then carlos mentioned yeah phil took me and um a couple other students for uh, some other opportunities one in park city one in san francisco san francisco was through the whole nfl uh connection thing and we actually got to go like on the 49ers stadium and um on the field and film some of the rehearsals for the halftime show and then wow. we got to film in the streets of, of san francisco with a camera car uh for a car commercial with uh, genesis and that that was just a really cool experience you know like as a young film student who is just at the beginning you're on this crew that's doing an actual professional uh car commercial and they got the camera car out that was cool <laughs> um and then of course you know like you mentioned the big one that was that was the the big one sarah she uh she happened at dsu so yeah i guess that's really the big one that i've kind of like trying to build up to is sarah um had the fortune of watching that recently with carlos and i i was really impressed i was immediately blown away before we even get to questions i just want to say bravo on that that was thank you <laughs> It's just, uh, it was quite an experience. That's for sure. Um, anything you want to know before I just kind of like dive into it. So I guess there, there were a few personal questions I was wanting to ask was like, one, one of them was, I was wanting to know about location because where I, where I work right now, kind of just as my part-time job balancing it with school is I do a lot of carpet cleaning. So I get to kind of see a lot of the area and a lot of different like housing areas. And yeah. I was looking at some of these areas, like some of the locations, like Sarah's house and things like that. And I was wondering, like, have I seen this place before? Or have I not? Like, do you remember those locations of where those were shot or? Oh yeah, absolutely. So without, you know, spoiling anything, um, the main, the main house, uh, was actually where, uh, our costume designer Rosalind, uh, lived. Um, she's since moved to New York, but she lived with her mom there and it's, we were doing pre-production, and we were it was me and uh coyote uh he was like my my right hand man on that movie um and Rosalind were meeting about costumes and stuff and at the time i was like really stressing like man we still haven't found a location for the house and she's like well you could you could always use mine and we were, we both looked at her like oh you'd be okay with that so she showed us her house and we were like our jaws dropped we're like that's your house <laughs> and uh she and her mom were very accommodating and um it was it was just one of those instances where it just made the right connection and um yeah everything worked out and we were we were there like all the time that semester not only filming because then we would also then use that for our we'd get the cast together and do like rehearsals for the next scene or whatever uh, it was a nice hub area um and it, it it was a trek to get to, but once we got there, we just kind of set up shop and would work for like a weekend. Um, and like I said, very they were very accommodating. We're very grateful to to Rosalind and her mom for letting us film there. But the other places like the the apartment uh, that they go to and have drinks, that um, was uh, an apartment of a friend of mine who she lived down the street uh, from the school. So again, really close. And everywhere else was pretty much either on campus or at the the hangar um good old hanger the good old hanger uh which i'm sure you guys recognize um the upstairs area uh the gallery uh was the gallery in the sears art gallery in the eccles building okay. on campus and 
anything else that's like dreamlike or whatever, that's all shot either in the studio in Studio C in the Jennings building or okay. up at the hangar in front of a giant, you know, 12 by black background. Um, in fact, one of the funniest stories is there's a scene in the middle, and I know you'll remember it, where it's just stark black and white and it's just a black background and they're just, you know, harshly that was lit. One of my favorite shots in the entire movie, by the way, was, was thank that. you. Thank you. That and was really- that was a that was a never planned. It was never planned to be that way. That scene was planned to take place in the kitchen of the house initially. Okay. But the day I had set to plan that shoot, I get a call from Rosalind saying, "Oh, family came in, or or, or something like either friends or family had come in, and they were going to be staying the weekend there, and we couldn't film there that weekend." And it, this was like in days before it was a surprise thing. And we were like, Oh no, what are we going to do? What are we going to, how are we going to make it look like that kitchen? We can't. So at the last minute, we, uh, Coyote and I decided, you know, we're going to just do it against black, you know? And we went to the hangar, threw up the 12 by, and we just made it work. We just figured it out as we went. And I remember we were also stressing out, um, Hunter was, uh, helping out on, uh, the lighting and grip side. Hunter Abarca. And um, we were really meticulous as far as like making sure the light was like on the right side to make sure it continuity because we all we were doing was just the camera and the background stayed the same. We just kept flipping the actors back and forth. Uh, and every time we flipped the actors, well, we had to flip the lighting completely to maintain that continuity. And it was just taking from all the different experiences, you know, like I think I think the most informative year I had or semester I had was in my junior year in Ben Brayton's class where they uh, the assignment is basically everybody has to make a short film um, and you go through making like 10 short films in one semester. And so you learn really fast how to find solutions to things really fast because you don't have time because you got to get to the next shot because you got to get to the next short film, you know. And that's, that's the reality of how you have to work in film. And that learning experience led to being able to roll with those punches on Sarah. And the entire production really was a roller coaster of, uh-oh, this happened, we got to fix it. Uh-oh, that happened, we got to fix it. Um, yeah, again, I, can, I could go on forever. So you, you guide me here. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, I, I, that's a kind of a cool story to kind of like, again without spoiling it that's kind of a cool story that kind of leads to something that i think is one of the best parts of the film you know this this happy accident of like well we can't make this location work let's swap the location at the last minute and and to me that almost like hearing that information and trying to picture that scene in that house like i feel like it wouldn't have been as effective like exactly. that kind of ended up working out for you so exactly cool how that works sometimes and um it was also just really great working with the actors I worked with. They were all generous as far as donating their time. They knew it was a student, you know, student production. So they, they, they generously donated their time um, as well as uh, again, without spoiling, there's, there's some, uh, some blood effects in the film uh, for some really specific moments. And again, uh, that was through connection with Phil Tuckett, uh, Daryl Phillips, who he's a makeup artist. Uh, and his partner Michael, they um, did an amazing job um, creating some really, really convincing <laughs> moments in the film. And you know, I'm also just making sure there was continuity, especially in the the climax where there's uh, blood involved. <laughs> um, there was, as I say, there's some shocking effects. I was really impressed with those. He was a, a rock star and I, I am definitely have so much gratitude for all the work he did and the time he donated towards this project and he was extremely generous and I think that was the the theme with this production is I know this is not how you know it's going to be in the future um it's it was my last run as a student filmmaker so I figured well let's you know appreciate everybody who's who's involved but also like let's make sure we can uh um utilize the talent at hand because i mean jessica staples man oh my god yes she's rocked it and i to this day i'm i'm just like i get this goofy grin on my face watching her act because i'm like that's it she carried the whole thing (laughs) 
She did I mean, an amazing job. I'm proud of everybody because everybody I pushed everybody definitely past their comfort levels, but they trusted me and I trusted them. And that's the most important thing, I think. Awesome. So one last question I did want to ask about Sarah. I have to ask this personally because of my focus in school. I really want, you know, my goal is to be a screenwriter and eventually writer and director. Yeah. And I have to ask, again, being careful with spoilers, where did the story idea for this come from? Because Carlos and I sat on sat on these two couches in my house after watching it, just discussing like, okay, what just happened? What do <laughs> you mean? But like, like, and I love endings like that. And as yeah. a writer, they fascinate me. So like, where, where did the story come from? Well, it came from, you know, I get, I get this theme a lot from a lot of people who are, who write things that they, they, all, they always get asked, where did it come from? And I relate to their answer, which is most of the time, I don't know, <laughs> which is, <laughs> um, it started, I'll, I'll tell you where it started. It started with the idea of the character of Sarah, who she was, uh, Riley Ann, who plays Sarah in the film. Uh, she's a friend of mine from the, from my time at DSU and she and I were really close and she acted in a couple of the other short films I did. And one of them was Nikki, which was a short film I'm really proud of. Um, we shot it inside the, the cafeteria uh, on campus. And um, while we were making that short film, she and I just kind of kept toying with the idea of a character she could play. Um, and we, she's used to do like kind of sketches and she had a whole like kind of crazy wardrobe and in her closet and everything. And so we just kind of kept playing with, Oh, wouldn't it be cool if there was this character you played and she was a dark edgy kind of like semi goth kind of character. Um, and so I started, I knew that for my capstone, I wanted to do something featuring this character we created together. Um, we didn't have a name for her or anything. We just knew her persona, her aura that we wanted to do. And she was going to be this rebel. She was going to be edgy. She was going to be, you know, but we were going to find some way to like break her or something like put have, put her in a story where it would just break her. Um, so like the first couple drafts were like completely different, but there were elements that were the same. So like there was still definitely another woman who she was the other main character and the whole idea was at the beginning was she believed her husband was cheating on her so she hired this girl to go spy on him and find out and that was like where i started and then i started playing with you know for simplicity's sake i'll call the you know the woman jessica so jessica her character would have been a teacher at the school and maybe Sarah was one of her students and she knew Sarah was into like, you know, kind of some shady stuff and she was into like hacking and whatever. So she would like hire her to go spy on her husband. So then it just kind of like kept evolving, kept evolving. And it, I kept coming back to the image of Jessica waking up and being in a dilemma of, is my husband cheating on me? So those elements kind of stayed and then I just kind of kept going and it just kept, I get to about page 30 and go, nah, this doesn't feel right. Nah, I'm not liking this. This is too, it's too contrived or too complex, you know, for being 30 pages in, I'm already confused who's, what's going on. Um, and it just kind of became a, a thing of just like simplifying and simplifying certain aspects. And then I kind of procrastinated in my <laughs> fall semester of my senior year. I got really into still photography at the time and that took all my time. And I worked on a music video too, uh, for a friend of mine. And then when it came to the end of fall semester, I'm like, Oh, I really got to finish the script. Cause I got to get on, you know, making my capstone. And I knew I wanted to do it big and not just a short film. And, Cause that's just me. I want to make life harder for myself. <laughs> <laughs> and that, Christmas break, I just sat down and I said, this is it. I'm just going to write it. I am not going to overthink it. I am not going to overly plot it. I'm just going to see where it goes. I have the ingredients and I just went and it, it just happened. It's one of those instances where it just happened. And I'd like to say certain elements might've been inspired from certain events or people I knew. 
I can't even say so for sure. Um, I know there are certain elements that resonate with me based on experiences I've had since making Sarah, which is really bizarre, but it doesn't necessarily come from anywhere other than I knew this was a movie I wanted to see. And so I wrote it and that's kind of the whole reason why you should be making movies in the first place. You shouldn't want to be making a movie, you know, for, you know, of course, financially and business wise. Yeah. You want people to want to see your movie, obviously, but at its heart, you're making it because you want to see it. Exactly. Yeah. Make the and see. this is the movie I wanted to see. And it's, you know, putting it together. I'm, you know, a huge Fincher fan. I admit it. And there's, it's obvious, you know, the, the, the vibe in certain there, parts. There were some connections that I was making that made me smile. That's for sure. Okay. In the first cool. cut, in the first cut of Sarah that he screened, he literally used the song from Gone Girl in that scene. Yeah. 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 In that scene. And, and, and that was definitely emphasizing Brooke's score. Yeah. But what I love about what Brooke did with the music is we also said we're going to do our own thing, you know, and he definitely made it its own thing. And I think he keeps bringing it up. And I, I, I have to say, I really like it is there's an element that he recorded, which is like a, a tape gun. He took a tape gun and stretched tape out like this scratchy, creaky sound. And he recorded it, looped it, and made it a um, like a percussive element. And you'll notice in the score, there's this like creaking, crackling sound in the background of some of the tracks, and it's a tape gun. And I love that. Wow. I think that's so cool. <laughs> so there's some experimental stuff going on with the score then. A lot. In fact, most of the elements in the score are originally recorded by Brooke, like not a, not a pre-recorded element from like a library or anything. We're talking, he sampled his own cello. He... For certain elements he used wine glasses like rubbed the, the the rims or tapped them for percussive elements and um yeah just so much cool stuff that pretty much most of the elements were originally recorded by brooke um it's it's a very organic score excellent i love that yeah and that, that's that's awesome hearing all of that you know like as as a writer, sometimes it, it really is hard to kind of just sit and trust that process. You know, I, I hear Brian Strassman and, and my writing classes at DSU all the time talk about when you feel lost, sometimes you just need to trust these characters and let them guide you because yeah. they will naturally take you to where it needs to go. And it's, it kind of sounds like that's what happened here. And it, it's all the better for it, it sounds like. And yeah, I, I think that's the one thing that I had to learn and I still have to learn is to trust um, I'm working on something right now, writing, and it, it's from someone else's work. It's not an original work of my own, but uh, I'm collaborating with someone based on a, a stage play that they wrote. And I'm having to learn to take their voice into consideration, but also trust, hey, these characters are trying to say something. And to pull that out of that, it's tough. It is. And I think, but I think it's a great learning experience too, because sometimes when I'm writing something completely original on my own, I get so wrapped up in my world and my thing I'm trying to set. It's really cool taking someone else's writing and their world they've created and putting myself in it because now I'm the objective third person point of view. And I get to kind of say, well, maybe this could shift this way or that. And it's been great because he's been very um, willing to cooperate as far as taking other voices into consideration but writing is 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 a process and you got to trust it absolutely 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 well it's awesome I, I feel like we've kind of encompassed a really big journey from like the beginnings all the way through you guys growing up with film school i guess if we have time for one last question i was going to ask both of you what what's ahead in the future are there any things that you got that you can announce or that you're ready to announce or any any exciting projects that you'll be working on? Well, Carlos, you mentioned that one you guys are working on. Yeah, so as far as I'm concerned, it's it, it's kind of funny seeing how, how Cal and I work uh, separately now. Not separately, but like from a distance. So my we're very much um, connected still, you know, we still bounce ideas off each other, but our projects right now are pretty individual. So 
Um, what I'm working on here at school, um, currently nothing this semester class-wise because I'm just finishing all my general classes, but uh, me and Colby, as well as our friend Ben, are working on a short called Gizmo, and it basically centers around the complexities of a marriage as told from the perspective of a household cat. So it should be a really interesting uh, technical experience as well as an experience to work with more actors and more crew. And I think it's gonna, it looks really promising and um, I'll be producing that. And as far as this coming summer, um, Kyle and I are gonna be working on a couple things, um, small projects, as well as we're keeping on uh, writing and working towards a bigger project that'll probably come to fruition within the next year or so. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I guess as of right now, um, being in a screenwriting stage, and like, this is a new experience for me, not working on something that's original of my own, but um, mid 2020, we were reached, reached out to by um, someone with a, a stage play that they want to be turned into a movie and they reach out to us to, to write the screenplay and we're on about draft three right now and i'm waiting to hear we're, we're in the midst of like a back and forth with some ideas um i think it's going to take uh quite a few more drafts though it's uh it's a complex one more from a stage of like not plot but character it's very character driven and um I think it's a good learning experience for me kind of take taking a look at character because that's my one like I, you know you look back at everything you've done before and you kind of oh I could do this better and like Sarah my one wish is I had more time to work on the screenplay because since I'm th I think to myself oh it would have been cool to dive into this or to dive into that expand this whatever whatnot um because like I love plots I love structuring my writing in really intricate plots now i need to work on my characters <laughs> you know really making sure that characters have different personalities and they're not just all extensions of me or my head and you know recognizing those things is how you you know move forward and you grow so and other than that some we got some documentary projects on the way we got a cool um like youtube series style project we're going to be dropping sometime soon uh, episode by episode, um, chronicling some uh, unique personalities that live here in Cambria, uh, people with really cool artistic backgrounds. And then we have a larger documentary project about, uh, I can't say yet, but it's someone cool, someone cool. Okay, exciting. Um, who again, he's a local and uh, we're in the midst of that, as well as just uh, keeping up the paid work and- uh, yeah you know doing promo videos we're working with the slow film fest again this year and yeah it's great stuff perfect well that's awesome that's exciting well i guess that is all the questions that i had for you guys it's been super exciting to kind of just get to pick your guys's brains you know ever since i've met you two there's always interesting thing after interesting thing that i'm finding out that you guys are working on so it was super neat to kind of just sit down and just you know shoot the shit with you guys yeah thanks colby we appreciate it yeah, thank you <laughs> yeah no problem and to all you listeners and viewers out there appreciate you checking in and uh stay tuned for the next episode we'll be out next week uh thank you for listening thank you for watching uh make sure to follow us on all social platforms as well as visit our website all right, make sure to follow Colby. We'll throw yeah. his uh Colb, his Colb's bold media on Colb's, Colb's <laughs> And uh make sure to check out our website, superimageltd.com.